0: Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off the Bench podcast. And here is where your courageous life starts. Hey there. And welcome back to another week of the Get Off the Bench podcast. Now, this week, um, we're talking about trauma, but. We're going to give it a bit of a positive light and we're not going to go right down that rabbit hole. But uh, now my guest today, Wendy, has uh, really had a, uh, I'm going to say, terrible childhood and has gone through uh, her adult life with a lot of challenges and has finally reached a point to say, I'm not going to put up with this trauma anymore and I'm going to do something about it. And uh, I'm just going to go straight into it. And let me tell you about her. Wendy Kaya spent most of her younger years institutionalised in the UK care system. She experienced abandonment, multiple foster placements, an adoption breakdown, abuse, violence, rape, homelessness, and the loss of three jobs due to dyslexia discrimination. As a result, Wendy was left traumatised, which eventually led to crippling anxiety and depression. Wendy now is a motivational speaker and the author of the book, Be More Wolf. Survivor's Story, Breaking the Trauma Cycle. She's also the creator of the Trauma Recovery Method. Wendy is now living an extraordinary life on her terms, trauma-free, and works with private clients and practitioners to empower women to do the same. Now, I have to say that there, just a bit of a trigger warning. I mean, I've almost said everything anyway in this, but uh, Wendy will talk about her, her childhood and You know, it's pretty tough to listen to, but she doesn't go into explicit detail. But I do want to provide a trigger warning right here, because if this is something that might uh, trigger you, then you need to know. So having said that, I'm going to go straight into it. And welcome, Wendy. Thank you for having me. Well, it's my absolute pleasure. Boy, you've got a story and a half. It's uh, unbelievable. Uh, It's believable because you're here, but you know. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's a tricky one sometimes I don't believe it I go into denial <laughs>
0: oh, oh it's it's amazing it's um you know you your your testament though you know that there is a way through and um you know a lot of people give up which is really sad and uh it's nice to see that there are people who have made it through and who can be role models you know for other people to give them hope that that there, there is a good life on the other side of um trauma and tragedy, I guess. So you're now a motivational speaker, um, which I can imagine that you you being on stage and you sharing a story would be truly motivating and inspiring for exactly the reasons I've just said. Um, You're also the author of your book, Be More Wolf, and you're also um, the creator of the trauma recovery method. So, you know, I mean, you're really doing some, uh, some amazing stuff now, but you've had to push through, you know, uh, um, some terrible circumstances to come through the other side. And, I, you know, this podcast, Get Off The Bench, you know, it's often about people starting up projects and, you know, people sort of starting up businesses and what have you. But I think you're getting off the benches, re- re- well, all of that, but truly believing that deep down you're worth it you know and I know that you're going to share a lot of that with us and you're probably going to say that and I know you're going to say that On many times you didn't believe you're worth it but uh, I always feel like people like you something deeper something deeper you know that that keeps telling you I am worth it And I'm going to keep trying so take take us right back like give us some context about your life because like I said it's unbelievable and tell us about whatever you can tell us whatever you want to share yeah about your
1: childhood yeah okay um firstly I just want to acknowledge you and thank you for having me on the show um and also acknowledging my story as well it means a lot when people when you hear people say you know you've been through a lot (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's nice to hear um, because a lot of people often dismiss it, brush it under the carpet, don't want to talk about it, it, get, it gets hidden. So I just want to acknowledge and thank you for having me on your show. So I've experienced a lot, a lot of trauma and what I would say about trauma and fear and anxiety is I think they have a tendency to breed. They love the comfort of one another. And if you don't realize what's going on, you can accidentally and intentionally, not on purpose, create more trauma. So my, um, I was obviously born, born to two parents who were both alcoholics and they had a tendency to leave me and my brother at home. Um, so we were abandoned very earlier on. Very earlier on, I used to after my younger brother, which I have no memory of. But apparently, that's that's the case. And I think I was cooking, from what I understand. My auntie says I was cooking some beans. I spilt the beans, burnt me or him. I'm not sure who. Um, social services, the police were called, and then we were moved and taken into care. So. My brother was adopted and I stayed in care because my father refused for me to be adopted. He refused to, for me to be let go for, for some reason. I'm not sure what the reasons are for that. So abandoned, very young, went into foster care, not went into a children's home. The first children's home was an abusive situation. She used to lock us in cupboards, feed us Valium. So I was addicted to Valium from a very young age um dirty unkept a very traumatic time I don't actually remember much of it I remember being locked in the cupboard I don't remember being drugged up I don't remember being dirty but I do have that um the long-term traumatic effect of being locked in that bloody cupboard oh, Wow! <laughs> so, moved from that home into another home So then I experienced childhood sexual abuse from other kids in the home, you know, experimenting on one another. Um, Staff were also predatory. And I was there for quite some time. I was there up until my, I think I was 13, 14. I was then adopted, that adoption broke down. Um, I was very sexually active, very young, so probably 12, 13. And that encompassed sleeping with much paedophiles, basically, much, much older guys, 30s, 40s, 50s. Because I I was just, I just wanted some love and some attention. And that was the only way I could, um, the only way I seemed to be able to get some form of attention, even if it was only short lived. And I didn't really understand the consequence of it. So that foster place, that adoption broke down. But when I was in the children's home, I also had dozens and dozens and dozens of foster placements. So all the time, abandonment and rejection was getting reinforced over and over and over again. It was like layer on layer and layer and layer. It just never seemed to to stop. Wow. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Incoming... I've also got a cat who has abandoned, a kitten who has abandonment issues. (laughs) It could be very whiny. So I apologise, that was a flying kitten. Um, Yeah, so layer upon layer upon layer. This other thing happens within the care system as well, where, excuse me, if I'm jumping around a bit, it's just the way my mind is is processing it. Um, Something else that happens in the care system as well, or did, is that we used to have these like monthly meetings or weekly meetings, and they would talk about your behaviour and the experiences that you've been through. So this was another form of, I call it torture, Mm. because it's like I was the one getting all the blame. You know, Mm. it's about your behaviour, you're doing this, we're doing that. It wasn't about actually, it's a traumatised kid who needs help. It was was more of a behavioural, they looked at it more as behavior rather than support um, therapeutic input, caring. It was always my fault because I was naughty, because I was acting out. So that acted as a um it acted in a way to normalize the trauma. And the trauma became normalized through those conversations of, you know, she's acting out, it's her fault. We don't know what to do with her. Oh, I know what well, we'll she can become adopted because that will give her the experience of having a family, which only lasted a couple of years because no kid is gonna, no family, no kid is gonna survive because it's it's just too much. And the family's not gonna cope because they've been left on their own and don't understand how damaged the child is that they've got. Mm. So I ran away, as you do, and put myself back into. Um, an assessment centre so residential uh, the care system again (laughs) in the (laughs) and this was crazy predatory staff fights it was real sort of like gang-like you really had to like watch your back be on your guard because it was an assessment centre they got all of the kids that were like they didn't know what to do with in one location, one place. And no no one could manage, no one could manage anybody. The staff couldn't manage one another, we couldn't manage ourselves. It was yeah, it was very intense. So from there, what happens is you reach 16 and then you go into what's known as supportive lodgings. So they kick you out of care, then you go into supportive lodgings so you can learn how to live independently at 16
0: that's um that's unbelievable like you know kids should be kids kids should have a childhood that is supported and loved and you know I I know that not every pair every all parents are perfect and in fact no parents are perfect you know but at least most parents understand that you know I've got to support this kid the best way I can so how do you um I just ask, want to ask you about your brother. Do you do you still see your brother or have you connected ever with your brother? I connected once with my brother.
1: Um, it was a very strange encounter. I had no feelings or emotions or, like, it was a bit of an inconvenience for me at the time. I think it was about, it was when I was in one of my first supportive lodging placements, so I would have been about 16 and a half, I think. Um, my auntie tracked him down and I think he's no longer with us oh i but i don't know the reasons why she didn't want to go into the reasons why which makes me think that it was something a bit not great so um but he was adopted when he was a baby and that adoption broke down as well
0: wow despite the fact that he hadn't been through care and all that sort of stuff yep so he, the, the trauma was probably already embedded in him in such a and he was only young i think you're only Two, two, and four or something like that, wouldn't he? Yeah, so I I don't know how old. He would have been
1: about a year younger than me. Yeah. So he would have been, he would have only been about, I've probably got my ages completely wrong. He might have been about one, one and a half.
0: Oh God. Wow. It's just it's almost impossible to believe, but I know it happens and it's it's just a tragedy that it happens. And you know all of that for a start i don't know how i don't blame you for running away and for and for you know not not being able to find a stable well a stable home and a stable situation and uh, you know it really it really actually pains me listening to you say that you know they they gathered you for meetings to put you into this behavior management situation you know and and blamed you and i just think well You know, there's so many troubled kids out there and uh, people want to blame the kids. And I just think we've got such a terrible system, you know, that's just not supporting kids. But, you know, my heart goes out to. I think it's... At the end of the day, it's a great story. It's a good, you know, good outcome because you've turned it around. But I just don't think that any child should have to, um, you know, feel that, especially the abandonment, you know, that betrayal. Like, that's just that's the worst the the worst
1: yeah i think i think the abandonment has been worse than the sexual abuse yeah, for me yeah i think that's i think that's been a, a much much worse because it's less lot it's less talked about whereas sexual abuse pedophiles you know we hear it all the time we hear how bad it is we hear that it's wrong um but abandonment isn't really spoken about mm. That sense of that fear of um not fit not fitting in, not being good enough, being the fear of being rejected all the time. Because that creates a behavior. Well, it created my behavior, so I wouldn't let anyone near me. And that wasn't about sexual abuse, that was about abandonment, rejection. You can't you can't get close to me. And anyone that did get close to
0: me, my God, they were in trouble. Mm. But it translates to um I'm not lovable. You know that, yeah. the and then you 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 sort of build up this belief that that's the truth even though it's not the truth do you know and it's so going into your childhood like so you're 16 and then you went into that 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 care place you know when you're 16 but then to learn to be uh you know live independently and all that kind of stuff which i bet wasn't it wasn't anything like real life because it no. <laughs> exactly <It's rough>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly but as you as you sort of, you know, left there and and started to live an adult life, like did 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 you suddenly say so? So which way did your path go? Did you suddenly say, yeah, I'm free, I can forget all that, or did you move into uh, adult life and say, with all of those challenges, you know, and and just one disaster after another going into adult life and moving through adult life? Do you know what I did? Um
1: neither of those things I um what I did was is <laughs> I reinstitutionalized myself a lot later on by um training to be a youth and community worker and then working within frontline social services so I put myself back in the environment that I was um used to and I did it so unconsciously mm. I didn't think to myself oh I've had a really hard life um i just didn't i was in such denial for such a long up until my uh, mid-40s about anything that had um happened that my brain was just constantly trying to find answers to questions and putting myself in situations to try and find the answers to questions but i didn't consciously have a clue what was going
0: on wow i had no clue it's almost it's like your um your inner being, you know, you, your inner self, you know, yeah. absolutely like we call it your unconscious, whatever you want to call it. It's like it knows, doesn't it? And and you know, you know, they say yeah. that you keep repeating lessons until you learn them. And it's kind of like, well, I yeah. keep putting you into that situation and till you get it. But you also face, you know, you've got dyslexia. So you, you know, you you also I know you went to university or you tro- you eventually.
1: You eventually tried.
0: Right. Yeah. And and everybody, I mean you did you did eventually get in, but you know, everybody yeah, would kick you out and say, no, you can't, you know, you're dyslexic, you can't spell, you can't. I mean, that's yeah. just another layer. You know, there's so many um you know, educational supports available to you know to 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 help and what a kick in the guts. What a terrible kick in the guts. But you did get through
1: you? I think I've learned so much resilience and that's the one thing I want to show with people is how they can build resilience and and get back up again. I was so busy, I was knocked down so many times, whether that was my fault or the system's fault or whoever's fault it was, but I I was knocked down on repeat so many times that I just had this ability to just get back up, constantly, constantly get back up. I mean, it took its toll eventually, just to get back up all right they said no next they said no next okay they say it's because of this oh whatever next you know just keep going until you've exhausted
0: all of your uh, until you've exhausted everything it's it's amazing isn't it because as you know if you think about maslow's hierarchy of needs you know um most of us have moved beyond survival you know most of us have moved at least at least midway you you know if not more yeah. It's, and and so the, it's almost like the higher up you get, the harsher, like the more the more personal personally we take rejection. So you're talking about, you know, I just get up and get up because you were probably operating completely in survival mode the whole time. Oh, you, you know, isn't it amazing how there's far more resilience in that in that mode when it's uh yeah. When the further up we go, the more we should have or the more the better we should be at it. But so when you um, I don't know, I, I don't even know where to start like this is just such a such a big a uh, big story, but I just love that, that you've made it through. When you said there that you know I don't know if it was my fault or if it was just the, the thing, do you think that all of these, um, I guess unfortunate sets of events and circumstances, do you think that because we just touched on it there about your con- unconscious mind do you think perhaps you know like you know like the law of attraction you know whatever we look for we yeah. get you know and all that sort of stuff do you think that when you're in that survival mode when you're in that kind of carrying so much trauma that it's almost like maybe that that's what you're expecting to find so that that kind of unfolds in front of you or um
1: I think there's a I think there's a little bit of that, but I think if I knew how to handle it better, like if I knew how to I it, so um I was fired from three jobs for dysle- dyslexia discrimination. And three jobs is quite a lot. That's like there's a bit of a pattern going on here. <laughs> I didn't realise it at the time, but three is quite a lot. Um and it's a lot of stress, a lot of <laughs> a lot of crap. Um I wonder if I'd been able to deal with conflict better and, yeah, if I'd just been able to deal with people or to deal with conflict better, if I hadn't have got myself into those situations. But I don't think that was the law of attraction. I think that was those situations happened and I just didn't know how to deal with them. Yeah. I didn't know how to deal with that dynamic. So... I fought, in, I would get into a fight, so I was. I'm not having this. What, I, mean, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, it, what they did was wrong and was discriminatory, but there probably could have been a better way that I could have handled it if I was more equipped to deal with conflicts and just the way I process situations with people so I don't think it was a law of attraction I think for me it was more about the way I handled myself in that situation maybe in hindsight
0: yeah and it's interesting isn't it you're almost talking about you know EQ and having conflict resolution skills but that's you know that is a form of EQ and it's funny perhaps perhaps you know when you're in survival mode it's all more street smarts rather than rather than EQ you know a development of that and it's yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I guess we'll never get to the bottom of it. and You know, you, no. could, you could ponder this kind of psychology forever and ever, but yeah. it's it's it always makes you question, you know, it always makes you wonder. And, and for me, me being my type of person, I'm like, oh, I wish I knew why, because then I could help people, you know, but you, I mean, you're already helping people, but you still don't know all the answers, but at least you've worked out, you know, how, how to share that. But when, um, you know, when you were discriminated against for your dyslexia, did you, um, and it was open, like people were actually saying to you, you know, you, you're an idiot, you can't spell, you, and, and my godfather, you know, you wouldn't get away with that. Now, well, you shouldn't get away with that now. Maybe some people still do it. But did you just kind of get to a point, you're in your adult life, you've been through uni, you know, you've had your job, you've been sacked. So did you just get to a point where you felt totally defeated and thought, what's the point?
1: Yeah, the, the the last situation was really, really bad. I mean, they were full on bullies. There's no other way to, to say it. The, my bosses were bullies and they were women as well, which I think made it even worse. Yeah. They were yeah. vicious, really, really vicious. I, I mean, I did something that I never thought I would do, which is like I actually just walked out. I just, they pulled me, they gave me like half an hour to turn up for a meeting um, so half an hour to find someone to go with me, half an hour to go into a meeting. And when I got into the room, there was a m- massive microphone on the table. So they recorded it. And then there were, there were my two bosses in HR. They were basically telling me how shit I was, how bad I was at my job, that it didn't matter that I was um, slow. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not normally slow. I'm on the ball, I'm sharp, I'm quick. I'm quicker than most people. But what happens for me, when I get under extreme stress, I just close down. I can't actually process anything. It won't matter what you give to me. I'm just like, my brain is just yep. shut off. I can't think, I can't I can't do anything. So I was in this state of, I'm overstressed, I can't do anything. And they're going, well, you've got a week to do this, otherwise this is your last chance and you're fired. And I, it, I just walked out, I left the meeting, went downstairs, threw up in the toilet. I was just in shock, I think, grabbed my stuff and I just said, I'm going home, I don't feel very well. And that was it, never went never went back. And I decided from that point that I'm never, ever going to put myself in that situation again, ever, and work for people, work for an organisation.
0: It was, it was horrendous. I love that. I mean, I don't love what they did, but I love that you said then, I decided in that point... You know, that I was never going to do that again. And I think, you know, it's, 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 the, the more people I talk to, when they say that, I decided there and then that I would never, you know, it's kind of like we could have decided that years ago but it takes something that just goes snap, you know, and it's like this yeah. massive, massive punch in the heart that says, and it's almost like, you know, when we started at the very start of this interview talking about maybe deep down you actually felt worthy even though you didn't feel it. Does that make sense? It's almost like I'm never going to put up with this again and it's almost like this, unc- yeah. I deserve better. I, I'm i worth more than this. Do you, you know, it's. um. Yeah, it was. It was just so off the wall.
1: It was just so extreme. I just thought, this is—I I just couldn't
0: get my head around some people actually thinking that that was okay. Yeah. No. I. Before I said you said, and they were women, and I went, oh, you know, and, and most most of us have this idea that you know women aren't quite as. Um, blunt and nasty as as men but that's not oh. really true and, and when when women are nasty by christ they're 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 like that's bloody it. venom Do you, you know when they yeah anyway let's not get into a um he said she said but anyway but, we're, gonna get, we're gonna get some comments on yeah. this <laughs> I know people know I speak my mind, but you know, when, um, you, you talked about, you know, I'm never going to work for an organisation again and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, You, I was reading your draft of your book, which is fantastic. By the way, we're going to talk about your book soon. And you talked in there you know, about, um, you, you know, not wanting to work for organisations. And yes, you just said that bit, you know, about that, that was uh, sort of got to a point where I said, that's it, I'm not, not doing it anymore. But you also laid a real, realized later on when you were doing the trauma recovery method that um because you said in there that when you worked for organizations you were quite uh in a silo of your own you know you didn't really get on with with a group not not that you didn't fight you didn't fight with them but they you just felt like you didn't belong yeah yeah and then later on you realized that that was um well we explain you explain it because you'll see you'll explain it better than me
1: yeah, I mean, I, I what I realised was that um, I experienced um, abuse in a children's home from other young people in the home. And what was happening was unconsciously being in a group situation was re-triggering that trauma. I just didn't know it was happening. So in my behaviour, what I would do is I would, you know, i lost my voice. I wouldn't I'd stay back. I'd be in the. I'd be the one in the corner of the room. I'd be the one who was um, a bit of a loner in the group. So I would isolate myself as much as I possibly could because I didn't. That triggering was going on. I just wasn't aware of it.
0: Mm, well, and not so much on, on not such a deep level as you, you know, because that's that's extreme trauma, you know. But there's a lot of us that are in in situations, and we suddenly. Or maybe not even suddenly. We don't feel uncomfortable. We don't feel comfortable. Do you know, we, we know that we don't feel right in that space. And it's obviously triggering stuff that we just don't have um conscious access to. You know, we we're just yeah. getting to that. And it's just amazing how how many of us, in fact, I would say all of us, are carrying triggers and are carrying yeah. deep-seated beliefs and deep-seated um. Maybe experiences you know that we're we're not even recognizing are kind of buggering us up you know in our adult life and I mean I I have no doubt about that you know I just did some work last year and worked out that I was carrying a trauma from my mother when she was a teenager a young and an older teenager and she'd passed that trauma down to me wasn't. When I say trauma, nothing like your trauma, you know, it was just a we call it trauma because it's the so thing.
1: Let me just say about trauma a second, is that it doesn't matter how traumatic the event is, whether it's a small where well, you think it's a small trauma or a big trauma or lots of traumas. Trauma, the effect of trauma is the same. Oh. Ah. So it it can do this it, it if it changes your behaviour, then that's the effect of trauma. Yeah. So I always I always think that it doesn't matter how big or how small your trauma is. If it changes your behavior, takes you off in a different route, then that's trauma and it's it's purest form. So don't, please don't feel that because I've been through so much shit that I've got like the trauma badger. That's not the case. <laughs> it's not the case. All trauma is relevant.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah well it was it was making me believe that you know other people thought I wasn't bringing value to the table you know so it was it was making me underprice myself and stuff like that you know thank god I found it you know and and it's um but there's so many people out there that that won't be finding these things and you know and your trauma recovery method helps to do that but we'll get there soon anyway so now use you, you um
1: <laughs> cats must be driving you crazy no
0: they're not driving me i think they're as cute yeah they're fine anyone who's not watching the visual on youtube wendy's got this amazing like cane cane basket hanging one of those giant chairs that's swinging chairs and there's it's got this beautiful um purple um sort of maroon I don't know a beautiful beautiful um crimson uh cushion with these two cats a black and white one and a black one and they are just like little kittens and they are just like absolutely running amok in the background but it's it's no it's a lovely distraction don't please don't apologize they're fantastic so she's she rescued them out of the jungle and they're just beautiful. So you, you decided oh, I'm never going to work for another organization again and you started your own business. And um, however, and just exactly what I've been talking about then in my own experiences, you know, you had this unconscious belief that you weren't worth it or that you weren't, you, expl- you can explain it better than me, but you were your businesses were not doing well because of this deep-seated, um, you know, stuff that you had going on Explain that because I bet there's a heap of listeners that that have been through this or are still going through it. That's really important.
1: Yeah, I mean it's, it's very similar to what you were just saying. Is that you um, you took on that belief that your mother had, mm. and then that has shown up in your business yep. in terms of you know you probably undercharge work, you know, work too hard, yep. uh, push yourself up incredibly hard, and so it was similar for me apart from the issues were just different. So it showed up for me in the business in terms of the business becoming stagnant because firstly I didn't want to be visible. Um I I what I did was I was like sophisticatedly hid behind other people. So I would do things like host big virtual summits and you know always put the other person first. So I was always pushing and promoting the other person. Mm. And I realized later on that I didn't want to be visible because the more visible I was, the more abuse, the more hate, the more rejection, the more abandonment. So I hid myself in the business, which actually is a very dangerous thing for an entrepreneur to do in their business because you are the business. So it's sort of, that was the first thing. But also um, just as big as that was that because I hadn't learned how to manage money So I had absolutely no understanding or relationship with money whatsoever. And my self-esteem and self-worth was so low, I didn't believe that I was worth paying for. So that undermined the business yet again, because I I undercharged, similar, overworked, Mm -hmm. pushed myself too hard, beat myself up, started to withdraw. Um, Those... Had been so those beliefs, the belief that I wasn't that I was going to get abused if I was visible, the belief that um I was worthless, they filtered themselves into the business because I am the business and I'm managing the business. So those those beliefs rippled throughout the business, which meant that eventually became stagnant and I couldn't get any traction because I didn't understand that the beliefs I'd learned were completely destroying the business.
0: Mm. I I bet there's a lot of people in that situation. Do you you really do that? Oh, yeah. Very common. Yeah.
1: visibility, very common. Money, very, very common. And if you put the two together, they are absolutely, they're lethal. Absolutely. They'll kill a business. Yeah. Either it could be the best business in the world, but it, it will kill a business because those two beliefs drive everything within the business, They're the foundation of the business.
0: What were those two beliefs again? Because I think you cut out right when you said the first one. Ah, so um, visibility yep. was being visible,
1: being highly visible and really standing for what I believe in. Yep. That The belief that was underneath that was that I was going to be abused, abandoned, yep. rejected. So that was the first one. The second one was about money, my beliefs around money that I um been brought up believing that I was disposable, that I wasn't worth anything. I was, you know, passed around. I hadn't learned the value of myself and the difference between my value of myself and how money works in the real world. So undercharge, overdeliver. deliver. yeah a whole host of things push myself too hard and I couldn't see at that time I couldn't see at that time what was driving those beliefs mm. I had no knowledge of what it was that was uh what was getting in my way
0: so at what point then did you you know at what point did all this come to light like what where what were you doing what was the catalyst that that suddenly shifted all of this sort of stuff
1: i think there's been a number of things over the years that i've becoming i've become more and more conscious of how the brain works mm. so i've started to so I would journal every day. I would, I'm not a believer of positive, positive affirmations unless they're structured, structured the way I like them structured, yeah. of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I started to be able to open up my mind to what else was going on around me. I also had a depressive episode and I started to work with a private private. Um, psychologist who taught me that I could actually change the way I thought and the way I perceive things then things really really like I I started to wake up not wake up's the wrong word we use that a lot don't we I woke up I didn't wake up I just learned how my brain how my brain was processing trauma and just how much trauma i had been through and how that was had completely consumed my life. I was just living my life through trauma. No, my real personality had disappeared. It had been taken over. So I think that was the biggest tipping point for me were those conversations with him. Because he just gave me some very simple uh, strategies to um, help me stop thinking what I was thinking. And as soon as I got that, that was it. I was like, oh, oh, the world is full of color. It's not one, it's not you know right or left, right or wrong. I could come into the middle and, it, and and see life through color and be in control of myself rather than letting the trauma completely control how I was living my life. So I think that was a, that was the biggest shift was that um depressive episode and then working with him
0: yeah when you said you know you worked with him and then you you, you started to see yourself you know like your true self coming what, what were you thinking yeah. well like you know you must have noticed all these things about uh, you started liking yourself and started going oh that's who Wendy is like well, what what was that what was that experience like you know suddenly liking yourself and seeing who you are <laughs> it's a bit weird it's a bit weird I'm still getting
1: used to it <laughs> <laughs> I um I had to create basically a new character of a new personality, a new identity of, of the woman it is that I wanted to be, um, and that's been a. It's the reason why I called the book "Be More Be More Wolf" was because um, I'm really attracted to the wolf. They're, I mean, I love animals. It could never be a person. I don't like people enough for it to be a person. It could be an animal. <laughs> um, so I I had to learn very slowly to step into the char- characteristics of a wolf. So, you know, they look after the pack, they um, don't hold attachment to failure, all sorts of characteristics that I could embody and step into. Um, It's, I think what I think the biggest thing for me is just that I just feel so much happier. I don't, I don't get as stressed as I do. I'm conscious about decisions I make. I, um, I'm i much more in tune with what I'm thinking and feeling. And if I'm staying true to myself or has a little bit of trauma, snuck back in and, and has got got hold. So I work very, I work on it daily, consciously daily to make sure I don't slip slip back and that I'm always moving always moving forward it's very freeing mm. it's very very it's very freeing it's so much easier yeah it's so much easier you know not to carry just that hyper vigilant state of looking for the danger or I'm not talking to you or you know uh just making it a very small world for yourself now the world is it's it's
0: it's open I can do what I want now. Oh, that's fantastic. What, what, so what, at what point did you decide to write the book? Like, you know, so you, you've, you've, you've embodied the wolf, and I love your wolf necklace too, by the way, you know, and it's, and it's kind of like, yeah, I'm really out here. And, and what, what point was it that you thought I could really share this with other people? That, that, yeah, why not share it with others? Yeah. What, what happened to make you, um, decide? <laughs> I never wanted to
1: write a book ever. I was one of those people that was like, i am never gonna write a book. No, I've never. I've been, some people would say you should write a book. I was like, nah, you've got to be joking. No, dyslexia writing a book is just like, no way. But anyway, I wouldn't know what to write about. So I was like, no. Um, COVID happened is basically what happened. COVID happened. And um, I was running the coaching business, the business coaching business. And that was doing well, but I was struggling with um pushing the message out that you can earn you know 5k a month 10k a month i it never resonated with me anyway but i got into to do it eventually doing that Um, i just couldn't get my head around knowing that people were experiencing so much trauma so much loss so much chaos in their lives to be pushing that message i just it made me sick Mm. to do it literally it it really got to me. So I just thought, um, why don't I bring together the tools and techniques that I've used over the year, put that into a framework and a methodology that people can follow, use my own past experience to bring it together and write the book, write the book to give the process credibility Mm. But it's no easy, it's not easy writing a book, is it? It's like
0: oh, and, and particularly when it's about yourself and you sort of got all these triggers coming up all the time. And, oh, you know. yeah, yeah, I haven't done one like that. So you know.
1: It's it's funny. The first chapter, I know you've um I know you've read it, and I've had a few people read it and they've said, Wendy, this is too matter of fact. You need to get into the story. And I'm like,
0: uh-uh. No, I don't. <laughs> no, but it's really interesting. Like you, I, you know, I was riveted. Like I couldn't get, I couldn't stop reading. Do you know, it was like, oh my god, what's next? What's next? Oh my god, my god. You know, like it's almost like, okay, that's enough for one person to go through, and then it's like there's more and there's more and there's yeah. more. It it's yeah. it's amazing. Well, uh, you know, it's um. So it's almost that you've moved to Thailand for a year to write the damn thing so that you you out of the way of everything else and um but soon to
1: soon COVID COVID was the thing COVID and you know just being so aware that people were struggling and knowing that I've been through so much trauma and actually how easy it is I mean it took me a long time to realize but how easy it can be to actually bounce back yeah um to bounce to bounce back and to create something even better for yourself because if it's triggered something it's i hate to say it but it's something that you love that you'll have need to uh, that you'll need to look at
0: yeah yeah so tell yeah. us then speaking of that you also created you know the the trauma recovery method so so tell yeah. us a bit more about that because it's, it's it's sort of what you're touching on now is it you know how do we bring that stuff up and how do we we well, bring it to our conscious mind anyway even though it's painful yeah so tell us more yeah well there's an exercise that
1: i do every day um i'll tell you about that first because i think that'll be helpful yeah um then i'll just quickly with you through the actual um trauma recovery process but it's it's actually what a lot of what we've been talking about already but the exercise i do every day and this helps me first of all when i first started to work on what was playing out for me that i was consciously aware of mm. and then as time went on what happened was was more unconscious things started to rise to the surface cuz i dealt with the other things that were coming up so if you do this little exercise every day it'll show you exactly what's coming up what's getting in your way what is it that you actually really need to take a look at so what you want to do is just get a pen and paper notebook and um, write down three things that keep you in flow. So what did you enjoy doing? Nice cup of tea, went for a walk. Um, just it doesn't matter how big or how small. The size of it is insignificant. It's whatever made you happy. The next thing you want to do is write down three things that take you out of flow. Mm. So just the opposite. Or oh, someone pissed me off or, oh, I keep saying this thing to myself. <laughs> Whatever is making you feel crap,
0: yeah.
1: Then you want to write three things down that um, get in your way. What's happening that's getting in your way? You talking to yourself negatively? Is someone getting in your way? Whatever it is that you think is getting in your way. Then you want to write down three things for putting your best foot forward. So, what could you do to put your best foot forward? Then finally, finish by acknowledging the small or big successes you've had over the day. Doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter how small, just make a note of whatever those achievements were. Now, the trick here is not to look at this and think I've got to solve all of this. This isn't what this exercise is. It's just literally to bring your conscious mind to what's happening to your life during the day. Then at the end of the week, you look at it and you um, you reflect on it, look at it, then you can start to see patterns that are appearing. Don't worry if it's the same things that you're writing down, down day in and day out. It, what we're looking for is a pattern of, you know, what do you enjoy doing, what's getting in your way. There'll be a pattern that emerges in terms of how you're living your life. Then what we do is we pick out um, what's taking we take a look at what's taking you out of flow and then you have a look at that at the end of the week and you see there'll be a repeat probably there'll be one thing that just keeps turning up over and over again that's the thing that you work on not the thing that you think you should work on but the thing that is showing up the most that's what needs to be addressed first But people have a tendency just to pick one because it's easy but that's not what you want to do
0: yeah yeah Wow. That that doesn't sound that hard actually. It's not. No. It's really not. It's so if we do that it's and we're dealing with the conscious stuff like you said it, it starts to rise up all this other stuff that's unconscious and yeah, wow. That that's
1: that's amazing. So this is this is one tool in the trauma recovery method, But this is incredibly powerful. It's incredibly powerful because you will, you will soon start to learn how happy you are with your life or how unhappy you are with, I think I'm repeating myself. Yeah, happy or unhappy you are with your life, what needs to be focused in on. And you know, some people might struggle to write anything. Mm. It tells it still tells a story. So you keep going, even if you think you can't write anything, it still tells the story. So some things will start coming up as long as you as long as you stick at it. So this is one tool in the process. But we start with um firstly figuring out who it is that we want to who are we now and who is it that we want to step into so we do what i did which was create um the person it is that we want to be so we start to look at what our emotional triggers are what are we consciously aware of that's triggering us and what's going to take us off in a completely different direction on a new path so that's the sort of um foundation piece that we work on first Mm. and i i just like to do that first because i think it grounds people moving forward even if they don't necessarily full-heartedly know what the answer is to that question they will still um create a personality that they feel is better than where they are now so they're moving whole thing here is about is about movement just taking action is is um is a big thing. We then start to look at the patterns of behavior, what's getting in their way, take them out of flow. We Once we've done that, we can start to start a self-coaching process. And I do that self-coaching process by taking people through a very specific journey that helps them not deep dive into the trauma. That's not what we're doing. What we're doing is we're looking at the symptoms of in your behavior rather than actually looking at the traumatic event. We're we're, we're, um, stepping sideways almost. It's like, what's been the consequence of the trauma? Um, What's that brought up in your behaviour? So I take people through a step-by-step process to help them connect the dots between um, the traumatic events and why they learn the behaviour that they've learned. So then they can actually um, change it, correct it, dump it. Um, a big part of what I do is about acknowledging, just acknowledging and releasing that what happened was horrendous. Yeah. Um, once people can do, once people can do that, they can then connect with it, and then create something new for themselves. Mm. So it's, it's a very simple, but very actually, there's a lot of complexity in the back end of it. But it's very easy for somebody to to do and to navigate
0: mm. oh I love it that sounds it doesn't sound um too confronting either do you know it's, it's just sort of like yeah. it's 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 almost like letting your your subconscious or your unconscious just sort of bring it all up at this at, as it's when it's as and when it's meant to yeah. but also I like the idea of the creating a new identity, you know, because in actual fact, the truth is that people are probably only creating who they truly are inside anyway, you know, they're just getting a glimpse of it. And, and and, yeah, but it gives you, um, it gives you a focus, you know, it gives you, gives you somewhere to head to and something to focus on. And when you, cause there's got to be times when you're doing this when you feel what's the point, I'm feeling lost, you know, who am I? But I guess if you've got that that identity to work towards, you know, you really, really keep your eye on that goal and that focus. And I love that. I think that's really good. And I I love that you say it's simple because sometimes you can get into these kind of things and they're just so damn complex and so damn hard, you know, that you don't see it through. So it's... It's trauma is one of those
1: subjects that people have made so complicated mm. it's like I was listening to um something this morning and I was like what are you going I've got no idea what you're talking about mm. I've got no idea what you're actually talking about you're just talking about different parts of the brain doing different things and I'm like I just I'm sure it's great but I actually got no clue what, what you're talking about what does that mean for me what does I, what do I do with that uh how does that change my behavior I mean, um i've tried to make it as non-complicated as possible and to um so people can say ritual yeah you know so people can use it when they come to doing the self-coaching exercise the, the um inquisitive work about themselves that they sit down that they get a cup of tea that you know it's it's contained yeah so it's it's a bit of a ritual that they it's a bit of a ritual that they they can do but you know they don't need anybody else to do it with it's not complicated they're only having a conversation with themselves so it's only get it's, it's only going to get as complicated as they are
0: themselves talking to themselves oh i love it you know there's there'll be a lot of people who say and and i don't think my listeners but you know what i mean there's a lot of people in the world who say nah you you can't heal these things are so deep down that you know you can't heal what do you think do you think it's easy to heal i think that's fear.
1: i think that's fear i just think that's denial that's denial and fear and there's obviously something yeah you can heal yeah absolutely because if we understand the way the brain is wired we can absolutely heal it's just a case of uh one of the most important things is about perception of your experience the perception of what's happened of your experience and seeing that as an adult and not as the child or whoever experienced that trauma it's it's seeing it as my higher self who i want to be from a, a fresh perspective rather than the person who's experienced um the trauma but i think i think um trauma denial is just massive You know i did it for 45 years denied all of it but health health system denies it police service denies it hospital mental health services you know it's in england anyway um, it's very hard to get services for mental health and when you do they're just sticking plasters or your prescribed medication so there's a lot of denial around what of people's experiences people just don't want to know because it doesn't fit in with their agenda a lot of
0: the time. Yeah, I agree and I think there's a lot of um fear that if we open up a can of worms, you know we're never going to get to the bottom of this can of worms and you know and I can't stand what you're saying about you know we'll just drug people up that just that just I've got a real bee in the bonnet about that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that some people don't need medication. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, the the easy answer is I'll, I'll just give you I'll just give you drugs and it'll it doesn't go away. It just, all it does is band aid it and body uh, suppress it. You know, well, and it's it's.
1: Um, I started taking antidepressants ten years ago, and I have tried several times to come off. And I just can't seem to get off them. Mm-hmm. I've had really bad side effects from trying to withdraw. I'm just, and I don't want to be on them. I don't need to be. I don't actually need to be on them. But my body takes such a violent reaction
0: to the withdrawal process that
1: it's not my brain it's my body
0: Mm. yeah I know look I know we could go right down that whole drug thing and you know and everything else but the, the the truth is if we're if if we're if we're able to start to look at what's going on below the surface, and we've got, you know, got the courage, I guess, and we've got the support to do it. I think it's a it's a good thing to just, you know, start to sift through some of that. So I'm glad you're doing that with people. I think that's just it's bloody wonderful. I have loved this interview. I've I've absolutely loved it. I've I've been totally entertained with your cats, it's just been fantastic. Now, the podcast is, uh, of course, get off the bench, you know, to inspire people to take action and to do, usually it's to do their thing, but just with in this situation, let's just inspire them to just be themselves. But what advice would you give to people who might be feeling maybe that their past is keeping them in chains, you know, or in a prison and, you know, preventing them from truly living the life they want and deserve? What advice would you give to them? There's an exercise
1: I like to do, and I I do actually forget to do it, but it's a very good exercise. And that is about making helpful decisions and unhelpful decisions. Helpful decisions and unhelpful decisions. So you always, always, obviously, want to be working towards helpful decisions that are going to move you forward. Mm. If you do a list for the day of unhelpful decisions and helpful decisions, and you start to notice that your unhelpful decisions are largely in control of what's happening to you throughout the day, you want to have a look at those and see which ones are within your control to do something about. Mm. And then I think start working on those ones that you can get a shift on. So you can start taking some positive action. Because once you start taking very, very small steps, taking some positive action, taking some responsibility and accountability for moving yourself forward, you will be amazed at how quickly you can start to start turning things around. But it's really important, I think, to start with what's going on in your head. What, okay? what are you doing that isn't helping you in your current situation? I can't be asked to exercise. That's mine. I can't be asked to exercise. (laughs) I'll do it tomorrow. It's not a helpful decision. It's not going to help me manage my mental health and well-being. Exercise is quite important for me um, to do as a a routine. And I'm one of those people, if I fall off the wagon, it's like two weeks before I pick it back up again. But I will pick it back up (laughs) because I'm human. Um, But work on what's within your control yeah don't let yourself off the hook You're respect you are ultimately responsible for the decisions it is that you are making
0: well mm. oh, I love that and I think that it's the every time you have a little success and the, the successes all build on each other truly does change your life it really really does yeah yeah uh, I've loved it. Wendy, I've loved this conversation and I've just, you know, you, you've you made it seem more simple than most people make it sound. No, I'm not saying, you know, it's still a tragedy, it's still trauma, it's still sitting there, it still fucks up people's lives and everything else, but you've made it, you've given some hope to it. You've shined a light on it. You know, it's kind of like, well, you know, there is hope and you don't have to be trapped in this mm. Um Prison, or this circumstance, you know, and all these these things that happen to you for the rest of your life. So, uh, you know, I'm really grateful that you've shared that sort of bright light. You've shone the bright light, you know, on on this subject, even though it's a it, it is a sort of a, an intense subject and it can be a very dark subject. But you've you've really given it some light, and I really applaud that, you know, and appreciate it. So, thank you. Now, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, you can, um, I think one of the best resources I have is the YouTube channel. Let me yep. just remind remind myself of what I've actually called it. If you um, search trauma, recovery and healing from the inside out, that's where I put my best resources at the moment. Or the website,
0: consciouscoachingandmentoring.com. Okay. And there's also Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. And... I'll put all of those links in the show notes so that people can uh, connect with you and follow you and yeah, awesome. you know, hopefully join you and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, um yeah, this has been absolutely fantastic and, and thank you for your time. You're in beautiful Thailand. You're saying that it's hot. You've got a fan on you. You've got cats climbing all over you and uh, so and you, you're trying to write a book and I'm interrupting you. So I'm going to let you go. But, uh, you know, Wendy, thank you so very much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. All right, we'll catch you soon. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Oh guys, how was that? That was fantastic. And you know what? I, I know this, this whole trauma thing is such a big um I guess a fearful thing you know we all sort of hear the word trauma and we get a bit sort of um, tense you know and we can heal and we can bring it from our unconscious to our conscious mind so uh, my apologies if this there was anything in this episode that did trigger anybody but I think that what is good is that Wendy was uh, really really shining a light on it like I said at the end and helping us to realise that um, healing is possible, um, that every step forward that we take is another step in the right direction and we all do deserve to live um, a a good life. We all deserve to access who we truly are inside and we, I don't know, we're all worthy and we all deserve it of having a great life. So I really hope this uh, episode inspired you to, Think even harder, Just whether you've had trauma or not, just think harder about who is it inside me? Who do I want to be? And let's get started on that because we've only got one life. We only get one crack at it. And I reckon we've got to live it to the fullest and live it to the best. So anyway, that's enough from me. Thank you so much for joining me again this week. And I will see you next week. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.